0: Welcome every campus. I hope down on the coast. I don't know how cold it actually gets, but I hope it feels down there like it feels up here in the upstate. It's like feeling cool. Fall is getting close. I think it's going to get down to like the 40s tonight. Hallelujah, God, do it, do it. So, hey, grab your Bible, grab your Bible, and uh, and and go with me tonight to the Book of Acts. We're gonna we're gonna spend a little time. I'm gonna kind of give a little bit of context where we're going. Um, and then we'll jump straight in. So we're, we're in this series, a nine-week series, the longest series we've ever done. We're doing a nine-week series on talking about the way. We're basically just talking about what it means to actually follow Jesus. And the reason we're doing this is because a lot of us grew up in church, and it's hard here in the South growing up in church. I know that's not some of your story, but it's most of our story across the state. And when you grow up in church, especially in the South, it's hard to find somebody who flat out says to you, I'm an atheist, Or, I mean, there are a handful. It's also, it's hard to find somebody who is just completely oblivious to the Christian faith. Now, there are people that are in our classes that are, you know, Muslim or Hindu or, or, you know, agnostic or something like that. But uh, very rarely will you come across in your class or on your football team or in your cheerleading squad or whatever... You will very rarely find somebody who has no idea what it means to be a Christian. Everybody's familiar with the word Christian. And it's, it's kind of cool. It, has its, it certainly has its pros to it, but it has its cons as well. One of the cons is it becomes difficult to find out who actually is a Christian. Because everybody says they are. Right? Everybody, everybody would tell you, like, I love God and I'm following Jesus. And that's why Jesus would say, you'll know my disciples by a handful of things. You'll know them by their fruit. You, you will know by the way they love each other. You, you, there, there will be and there should be evidence for those of us who are following the way, following Jesus. And so for a lot of us, we're, we're all about it. We're like way serious into it, but we're just new to it. We're fresh to it. We're trying to sort out what is, what's religion and what have I just been told and what have I just kind of been passed down. It's just tradition. And what if this is like actual, from God, following Jesus, what does it mean? And so the best way for us to do that has been to just go to the Bible. We've just been spending a ton of time in the text, in the New Testament. And so the last several weeks, we've talked about Jesus. And I mean, I guess it's a good thing if you're going to talk about following Jesus to spend several of the weeks talking about Jesus himself. But we looked at the ministry of Jesus. We looked at the teachings of Jesus. And then specifically, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about the death of Jesus. And then last week, you know, we're talking about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And how, fundamental to your faith and to my faith, fundamental to our ability to pass these things on to the next generation later in life. As you get older, and you will get older one day, you'll get gray and old, and you you get a dad bod or mom bod, and it'll be awesome, and you'll start figuring stuff out. And it'll be great. And one of these days, you'll have to start figuring out, like, okay, now it's time, it's my turn in life to actually pass these things down to more people. And the only way for us to do that is for you to have a really great understanding of what it is you're supposed to pass on. And so the, the, the best way to do this, again, to look at the text. And so as we're talking about the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, it makes sense that tonight and over the next couple of weeks, we move to the part of the text, to the, the portion of Scripture where we start talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, show of hands at every campus, I, I know the, the Holy Spirit is <clears throat> it's just like one of these things. That it's just interesting here in the South. Show of hands, if you grew up in or you've ever been around a, a church, Where um, you saw like a a lot of people like speaking in tongues and like prophesying and you you would say like I grew up in a church that like we talked about the Holy Spirit a lot. Okay, Um, so show of hands if you grew up in a church and you like you were told like avoid the Holy Spirit. It's kind of strange like don't don't go anybody was told like don't do it. It's fake etc. Okay, show of hands if you really have very little idea what the Holy Spirit does and what any of it's really all about in general. All right, show of hands if you have a PhD in in how to follow the Holy Spirit, because that seems like most of you have a pretty good idea. All right, well, cool. Don't worry about coming to Fuse for the next two weeks. I'll talk to everybody else who doesn't know what the Holy Spirit is. Um, So we're going to be walking through what it means to um, do life with the Holy Spirit. And I'll just tell you now that this is something that we have got to um, really take very seriously. Jesus said things like this. It's better for me to die and go back up to heaven, go back to the Father, so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. It's better, Jesus told his disciples, it is better if I don't stay here with you so that you can get the Holy Spirit. Now, the disciples living with, walking with, doing life with Jesus, it seemed pretty amazing that they were with Jesus himself. And then for him to say, it's actually better if you get the Holy Spirit, that should make us go, oh, okay, wow. Um, But we're gonna find that most of us Um, I know, you know, at least here in Anderson, nobody really raised their hand because I think everybody's too scared to say what they actually know about the Holy Spirit. So it's okay. I'll do it. I'll go first. So actually, here's the deal. Most of us have zero idea who the Holy Spirit is and what to do with all of it. In fact, you can tell by the way most of us follow Jesus that we have very little idea who the Holy Spirit is and what he actually does in our lives. You can tell by how much religion and how much shame and how much guilt is still in the service when we all come together and sing you can tell from all of that, from the way that it feels in the room, from the heaviness that's on people, you can tell that very few of us have any idea who the Holy Spirit is and how to do life with Him. That's okay. But it's crucial for us. Jesus would say it's better for us to understand how to do life with the Holy Spirit so that we can follow Him more closely. So I'm going to pray tonight. And I'm going to give everybody on every single campus, I just want to do two things tonight. Number one, I want to make sure you go into the next few weeks talking about the Holy Spirit not, like, wigged out. Okay, don't be, don't be freaked out. Don't, like, feel weird about anything. Don't just, like, don't, don't do any of that stuff. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, I don't want you to be freaked out if you get freaked out. Does that make sense? Because there are things that seem like they're pretty normal in the life of people in the Bible. And if they were to happen to us, they would probably be quite strange to us but I would argue that it might be that that's what our normal should be. So let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to come and be here to teach us, to guide us, to help us, and uh, and then we'll jump into the teaching. So Holy Spirit, you can come tonight and have your way in us. We honor you as God. We honor your presence here with us. Your voice is better to us than our thoughts. Your presence is better is more precious to us than our comfort level. And so, Holy Spirit, will you come and will you do your work in us? In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, uh, turn to the book of Acts. And actually, um, I, I know we do this. If you have a paper Bible, go ahead and turn to your paper Bible. If not, I want you to go to the, your phone Bible and I actually want like everybody to pull up the Bible tonight because I want to show you something because this is one of those things that, that will help you as you're going and reading the Bible yourself. It's one of those cool things. It's like just a little thing to note, but it's, it's awesome. So, we started this series talking about the Gospels. All right, there are four Gospels in the New Testament. Say them with me. Matthew. All right, what's the third one? Okay, so okay. Matthew, Mark. Okay, thank you. So uh, most, most theologians, most historians, most people that have studied the Bible and Luke believe that Luke was a physician, Okay, so don't think about like doctor in a lab coat because medicine was very different, but think doctor. Okay, he's, he's, he's a physician. My brother is a doctor. I know several doctors. And if you know anything about a doctor, if any of you care to be, to like go into the medical field one day, you know that doctors and people in the medical field, they have to study hard, right? Like they have to, you've never met a doctor that just like you walk in and he just like tells you how he just kind of feels about you. Right, like he measures things, he's going to do, like they're serious, there's math involved, there's a ton of science, like, like people, like doctors are very intelligent and they worked very hard to get there. So when we read specifically Luke's gospel and the book of Acts, um, we're, we need to look at it and approach it a certain way because the book of Acts was actually written as basically the part two of Luke's gospel. So the gospels are none other than just handwritten accounts from eyewitnesses giving testimony to everything that Jesus did while he was here. So Matthew wrote his gospel down. He said, this is what I saw Jesus do when I was with him. Mark did the same thing. Luke writes his gospel. And then the first, and this isn't going to come up on the screens, but I want that's why I want you to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. I want you to look at how the book of Acts starts, okay? So this is Luke writing this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up. Okay, so pause. What's in, when he says in the first book, O Theophilus, what, what's the first book he's talking about? Right, he's talking about his gospel, the gospel of Luke. So the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts are like part one and part two of what Luke is trying to present to us. So I know that when if you know if you don't just like if you don't know the Bible, when you go to the book of Acts, it's going to seem like there are some things in here that are like ghost stories, right? Like there's just crazy things. Which, actually, they are holy ghost stories. Okay, but there are things in here that seem like. Um, They're like, where did this come from? This is crazy. But the same guy that documented the book of Luke to us with a ton of data, like a ton of eyewitness accounts with a lot of research and a lot of things that back up his gospel that has been proven as like a very valid account of the things that Jesus said and did, also wrote the book of Acts to us. So this is like eyewitness, Luke was here and he wrote this. And a lot of people believe that this Theophilus guy that he's writing this to, when he says, Oh, Theophilus, I've written the first book, what that he's trying to, there's this prominent man back in Antioch where Luke was from, and he's writing this as an argument for why he should believe in the Messiah, Jesus. And so as we read these stories and as we get into some of the things that we should be dealing with, I just want to ask you this question. Over the next few weeks, as we learn to do life with the Holy Spirit, as we learn to, have fellowship and communion with God the Holy Spirit? Could it be that that Luke would write this same letter to us to say as evidence of how we should be living, of ways that we should be encountering God, of ways that we should be interacting with the world around us, and that the Holy Spirit should be just as alive and active through us today as it was in these disciples as he's trying to prove to Theophilus? And he, says, he starts it off by saying, look, Theophilus, uh, the last book I wrote to you, it ended with Jesus being sucked up into heaven. And it was wild. We all saw it. We don't know what happened. And then he picks it up right here. So let's pick it up. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read this to you. We're going to go verses 4 through 9. Okay, so Jesus is, is, is um, he's back with them. He resurrected from the dead where we picked up last week. Verse 4. While staying with them, he ordered them, talking to his disciples, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he said, you heard from me, um, for John baptized with water, John the baptized with water, but you will be baptized with or in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Um, Verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Here we go, Here's here's the kicker. But you will receive, what's that word? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, and as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And so what you have here is the resurrected Jesus standing with his disciples, and he's saying, Look, I know you guys want to go crazy out into all the world. You want to tell everybody about the last few years and all the miracles we've seen. I know I gave you the authority to cast out demons and pray for the sick and do all this sick stuff. I know you saw some amazing things. I know I was dead, and now I'm back alive. But wait. Wait. Don't go do all the stuff. Don't go tell everybody. Don't go do all this stuff. What I want you to do is I want you to wait. I want you to go to Jerusalem. And not many days from now, you're going to receive the promise from the Father. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And you'll receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. And then he gets sucked up. Okay, so let's turn to Acts chapter 2 now. So they're hanging out in Jerusalem. They're waiting in Jerusalem. And they're there for the Feast of Pentecost. We don't have time to get into the Feast of Pentecost. Traditional Jewish feast is in their calendar year. They were all in Jerusalem to celebrate some stuff. And here's where they get to. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues, as of fire, appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues, in other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, here's why that's important. Because in Jerusalem, there were dwelling Jerusalem Jews which were devout men from every nation under heaven. Now Paul's here. This is because everybody would have come from all over the known world that were Jews that loved God. They would have all come to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of Pentecost. This was a big deal for Jewish people. So there's people from all over the world that are here to celebrate the feast of Pentecost. And then the Holy Spirit, boom, it falls on the disciples and they start speaking in all these other languages. And this is why it matters. Verse six, at this sound, the multitude comes together. So everybody comes around and they were bewildered Because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and they were astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus. Okay, go all way, You get it. There's a bunch of people. Verse 11, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed. And perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocked them and said, they are filled with new wine. They are drunk. So I just want to show a handful of things here about the Holy Spirit. And I'll just give you, this week, I just want to give you an introduction to maybe life with the Holy Spirit, what this kind of could mean for us. And then next week, we're going to look at how to be led by the Holy Spirit, and we're going to give you an opportunity to be prayed with by your fusion group leader to receive more of the Holy Spirit, to to be able to follow the Holy Spirit more closely. But there's several things about doing life with the Holy Spirit that I want to share tonight that just come from this text. This is not going to, like, blow your mind or be, you know, deep theology or anything, but there's three things that genuinely over the last few years as I've learned better To walk and do life with the Holy Spirit that I think are important for us to know before we try to go out and do anything for God or whatever. Okay? So the first thing, these all come from the the Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So the first word that I want you to write down is this word. It's the word receive. Everybody say that with me. Receive. Say it again. Receive. And this is why this is a really big deal. So many of us that grow up here in a southern Bible culture, you grow up being taught that the things of God are to be obtained, that life with God is a thing to be earned, that I know what the word says, that it says that even while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, but I've still got to earn my way into whatever sort of life that I want. And despite the fact that we're told things like, you can never work your way to God, and you can't do good enough, you know, you can never be good enough for God to love you, we still have a way of trying to earn God's love for us. We just do. And so when, when God shows up, and Jesus is trying to tell his disciples, when he's trying to say things like, look, you're going to go to Jerusalem, and you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, I think what he's trying to get at here is this. Um, You're not going to know when he's coming, and I'm not going to tell you because you guys are so prone to earning things and just trying to do the right thing all the time. You probably would have like set it up, and you'd have taken credit for you receiving the Holy Spirit. You would have thought, like, we earned the Holy Spirit. We sang the right songs. We did the feast just right, and so that's why the Holy Spirit came. I just want to tell you this. As you learn to do life with the Holy Spirit, as you learn to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as you learn to let the Holy Spirit do amazing things through you, you're going to have to learn to receive from God. There are some things that, you, that God cannot do for you until you allow him to do them for you. And it's not because he doesn't have the ability to. It's not because he's limited in his power. It's because God's not the kind of guy who's going to just force himself onto you. Because God's not a bully, and God's not like a jerk, and love does not insist on its own way. Instead, Jesus and, and Jesus would say to you, there is a promise waiting for you. His name is the Holy Spirit. He is here to help you and guide you and teach you and encourage you and be your comforter. He is here to make you come alive. And if you would receive him, you could have the fullness of him without measure, as Jesus would say. You have to learn to receive. There's a big problem with that because a lot of us doubt so hard that God would ever want to actually give us anything, right? Because you know you, you know your sins, you know the mistakes you made, you know the bad decisions you make, and they're valid, right? Like the Bible wouldn't say that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us if we weren't sinners. Like you sin, I sin, we, we, we make bad decisions. We do things that hurt the heart of God. And that's why when Jesus comes to do the the work of saving us and restoring our relationship with God, that's why it's it's called the finished work. Because it's done. And it's so hard to be convinced. That's why one of the biggest roles of the Holy Spirit is to constantly convince you that you've been made right with God. Because you doubt it. Because you sin. And you have a thought that goes through your mind that's so violent or so vulgar or so explicit and you go, Oh, my Lord, where did that come from? I just finished reading my Bible. And then the Holy Spirit goes, I know, man. Aren't you glad Jesus already finished the work? Because if he didn't, you'd have never gotten there. So you have to let God love you. You have to understand that God will give you the Holy Spirit without measure if you will receive it. But you can't earn him. You can't read enough Bible verses to earn the Holy Spirit. You can't learn enough worship tunes to earn the Holy Spirit. He says you have to receive him. And so this is a big, this is a big piece for us because this isn't like, oh, you get the Holy Spirit one time, you got, all, you got everything you ever need, and then you go. It's like a, you, there's, a, there's a verb that's in the Greek that we don't have, but it basically is like this per- perfect progressive. It's like a be being filled all the time with the Holy Spirit, and you and I won't do that if you don't think God actually wants to give you anything, Right? For lots of reasons. One, for the reason that some of you grew up with a dad who never gave you anything. He never gave you attention. He never gave you time. He never bought you anything. He never, it seemed like he wasn't interested and so you don't know how to receive because you don't think God's interested in you. And some of you, you grew up with a dad who only gave you things. He never gave you his, uh, he never gave you his attention. He never gave you his affection. He just bought stuff for you all the time. And so you grew up kind of jaded against God. But you don't want to receive anything from him because you just feel like he's just like your dad and he's trying to buy your love so we're, we're all jaded in our approach to the Holy Spirit. But I want you to know this. God is not going to force himself onto you. But if you will ask to receive the Holy Spirit, God will come to you in ways that you cannot do and manufacture on your own. So the first word is receive. The second word is this. What will you receive? you receive power. Everybody say power. Now power for what? Because if you, if you go to YouTube or if you Google some of this stuff, you will get lost in the sauce of the internet, trying to figure out what the Holy Spirit actually empowers you to do. It's wild, everybody, but it's it, it's it's really quite clear. Jesus said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. How many of you could say the fruit of the spirits right? The fruits of the spirit right now. What are they? Okay. How many of you grew up in KidSpring? Thank you, KidSpring. All right. Shout out to KidSpring for the self-controlled. The point is, you get power from God to be able to do the things that you know you should be doing. It's, it's amazing. You, you, you get power from God to actually have peace in your life. Go on, you don't need another preacher to tell you you have peace available to you. You know, if you're anxious in here, if you like have a hard time with that, you know it's available. You pray for it all the time. You don't need somebody else to yell it into your soul. You need the power of God to enable you to have peace. Some of you know that there's joy available, that, that the fruit of the spirit of, of living with the spirit of God is joy. And some of you are just so depressed, you don't need somebody else to yell and tell you that joy is yours. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to give you joy. Some of you, you, you know that it's, it's self-control, right? Like there's, there's things that you, you're, you're a professing, baptized, born-again believer in Christ... And you somehow can't stop doing thing X or thing Y. You know that the words you say are bad, they're evil. You know that when you sit at the table with those girls, you end up saying the things that you hate to say. Yeah, you find yourself saying them over and over and over again. You know that when you get alone with your cell phone, you look at things that you hate to look at, but yet you find yourself tucked away in your bed every night looking at those same things. Why? It's not because you don't want, it's not because you don't not want to stop. If that was right, I don't know that was right. It's because you don't have power. It's because we, we, we let the Holy Spirit do his work in us to bring us to Christ, to convince us of our sin and show us we need a savior. And then when we get baptized in Jesus, then we say, all right, thanks God, I'll take it from here. And Jesus made it very clear in John 15. He says, apart from me, You can do nothing. And that's what the challenge is because Jesus would say, if you're not doing life with me, you can't follow me. And I know that you'll honor me with your lips, but what'll happen is your heart will end up being far from me and you can't do life with me face to face in close communion. And apart from me, you can do nothing. And then Jesus would leave and go to heaven and the disciples would go, well, how can we do life with you if you're in heaven with the Father? And Jesus would say, boom, you get the Holy Spirit, you get the Holy Spirit, you get the Holy Spirit, you get the Holy Spirit. And he's the way that we do life with God all day, every day. Now, you will receive power to do a handful of things. And we'll get into this more next week. But <clears throat> I've been I've been praying with this, trying to wrestle through what stories you want to tell. Um, you won't necessarily only receive power to do things like have self-control and tame your tongue. And you'll also receive power spiritually to do things that you've never done before. Like, you will, like, these 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 tongues that fell on these, these believers in Acts chapter 2, there's no mistaking it. These were other languages, okay? These were, like, you know, Mandarin Chinese and all these sorts of other languages. These were other languages because there were people from all over the world that were hearing these tongues spoken. But you today can receive the Holy Spirit, and you can speak in tongues. And you can receive power to lay hands on people and see them healed, like sick people. You can lay hands on them and see them healed power to do that, you can, you can, you, you can do these things, and I, and I promise, and maybe we'll get into some of this next week, and in the, in the next couple weeks, we'll kind of talk about some of this, maybe, um, but you can, you can look at people, and just know something about them, this, ha- this, this happens to me, this has happened to me, you know, several times, but just a couple of weeks ago, I was in Oklahoma, and I'm with some of the, the pastors there, and we're, um, and we're just kind of on this trip, and, and our waiter comes over, and he's this big black guy, and it's hot, and so he's so sweaty, and I'm like, I feel so bad for this dude, we're sitting outside, he's sweating, it's a big fella, you know? And, and I'm just, I, like, I sit down and I just start praying for him. I'm like, oh, why do I feel like I need to pray for this guy, you know? And, and as soon as I look at him, this is, you know, I just look at him and I see him as, I just, I don't see him, this, you know, large grown adult man with a, you know, an apron on serving me as a waiter. I see him as a little boy playing the drums. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is weird. So I'm like, hey, man, can I ask you a question? Did you play the drums when you were a little kid? And he's like pouring my water and he's like, and then I'm like, all right, okay, hang on a second. So why would I it? and I was like, all right, here's the deal. You play drums in church. That's where you learned to play drums, didn't you? He's like, and I was like, you haven't been to church in a while, have you? He's like, and I was like, look, I I think God told me this about you because I think he misses you playing drums in church. And the guy just, you know, starts crying. He gets up, you know, gives me a big, just terribly sweaty hug, <laughs> and he's like, "Thank you, bro, I needed that big time." I don't know the guy. I couldn't tell you, but I'm telling you, you, it, it, look. And we're this is this is the main point next week. Okay, if you think that life with God is just meant to be lived trying the rest of your life to not sin, you're going to be bored and you're going to quit trying. Amen. There is so much life. To be lived with God. It is so fun. There's such an adventure to go on to help the kingdom grow. And we're going to talk about that for the next few weeks. But you have to understand that the Holy Spirit wants to give you power. But power for what? Number three, the word is witness. Everybody say witness. Witness. You know what a witness is? A witness is somebody who's seen something. Right? Like if you get called into a courtroom and somebody is there who's a witness, what are they there to do? They're there to testify and say, no, I saw this happen. I, I, I watched this. Like, I, I am a witness. I was there. And there's different, you know, classifications of witnesses. But the, the understanding is the same in the ancient as it is today, that if you're a witness, it's because I've seen this. And just, you know, we, we, we have such a strange understanding sometimes of what it means to be a witness of Jesus. Now, some of you, um, you you've heard the word, evangelism before. How many of you heard the word evangelism before? Okay, so some of you, um, you will be evangelists. You will be amazing evangelists, in fact. In fact, you'll be the kind of evangelist where you will be walking around in the grocery store, and you'll see somebody and you'll go, I gotta go tell that person about Jesus. And you'll walk up and say, hey, I feel like I was supposed to come tell you that Jesus is Lord. And they're gonna weep and you're going to baptize them with a bottle of water you buy on aisle 11, okay? It's going to be incredible. You're going to have stories like that, man. Hallelujah. It's going to be incredible. But some of you are going to be evangelists in much different ways because there are tons of ways to witness to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you were completely and totally hopeless? Hopeless. Okay, now, have you ever been in that situation, and then you just get, like, encouraged to pray or listen to a song or read the Bible, and just, like, supernaturally, you're just like, man, I just think it's going to work out. Like, I just got some hope and some faith, all right? So, here's the deal. You know that when you do that, um, you are giving testimony to the ability of the Holy Spirit to give you hope. Now, that's an amazing witness when you're around people who don't have any hope. You don't have to be like a a, a PhD in in, in evangelism and, you know, you don't have to like pour oil on your head all the time and walk around just like anointed and letting it run off your face. But you do have to be able to be a witness to what Jesus Christ has done for you. Some of you, you're going to witness by the way that you you date. Like some of you are going to testify to the power of the Holy Spirit to give self-control and to change your life by the way you and your girlfriend go to prom. And you have no idea about this, but you're going to be sitting in a like at a restaurant at Waffle House at three thirty in the morning, some ridiculous time that people go to, you know, after prom, and you're going to be sitting there in the booth having a conversation, drinking coffee, doing you know silly stuff, but stuff that's like way honoring to each other and way honoring to God. And there's going to be people that see you and they go, "Whoa, I know what most people are doing at three o'clock in the morning on prom night," and it's going to be a testimony. And you're going to have power from the Holy Spirit to control yourself. And it is going to stand as a witness to what God can do in your life. Some of you are going to have, um, you're going to have amazing careers. Like some of you in here are brilliant. You have an incredible work ethic. Your parents have power, are going to hand you like a business one day. And you are going to make an absolute fortune of wealth And you are going to be a witness to other people who have never heard the gospel good news of Jesus Christ. Who just happen to love money and business and wealth. And you're going to run into them. And they're going to see how much money you're giving away to people. And they're going to go, wow. But you've got to receive power from the Holy Spirit. Because apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. So I just wanna ask you a handful of questions as we go into our response time tonight. Regardless of the way you grew up, regardless of the way that you were, you were brought up and what you were taught, um, have you, I'm not, I'm not asking, I, I think most of us are probably, you're probably a believer in Jesus. Like you've probably been baptized. By the way, if you haven't been baptized, will you please let us know we wanna baptize you. That's a massively important part of your journey. And we wanna celebrate with you and we wanna do it right. After you, after you get water baptized and you're in front of your friends in public and you're doing it, um, Jesus would, would, want to, would want to offer you power to live out the life of a believer. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've given the Holy Spirit permission to come and fill you? Like, he will do it, but have you ever asked him? Because we, we talk about the Holy Spirit like it's a what all the time. Like it's just like the air conditioning. You just cut it on and cut it off. He's a person. And how many of you have a friend that you treat pretty poorly for a long time and then they stop being friends with you? And you're like, what happened, bro? You're like, well, every time I was around you, you you made fun of me. And I didn't like that. So I stopped hanging out with you. The Holy Spirit's a lot like that sometimes. Where He can try to, he can, you know, he, he'll be speaking to you, he'll be trying to nudge you towards something. Like trying to encourage you to do something, trying to share something with you, trying to get you to go and talk to somebody, trying to get you to actually pray or to, to sing or to do something, and we just go, nah, not doing that. And so what happens is the Holy Spirit just, like, okay, I mean, if you want me here, that's fine. And it doesn't mean you're not a believer. It doesn't mean you're not walking with Jesus. It just means you're, you're living a life that has no power, and so when you're called to witness to other people, when you're sitting on the school bus or at the lunch table, you have nothing to say. You have nothing to share with anyone. You have no life to give away. You have, you have no power. And so you end up saying what they say, doing what they do. Your boyfriend and girlfriend relationship looks just the same. And they end up going, yeah, I guess, I guess this old Jesus thing's not really that big of a deal, right? They haven't really done anything for you. And I know in your mind you go, no, no, it hasn't. It, it's, it's changed my heart for real. Like, I wish you could see. If you could see my heart, man. And they're like, I can't see your heart. All I can see is your Snapchat. You're like, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. But if, if, if you could see my heart, dude, you would know. Like I spent 20 minutes reading my Bible this morning. You would see that my heart's right. You're like, I can't see your heart. And we want power. And God's going, man, I'll give it to you. if you'll let me do it my way. But God's going to do it in a way where he's going to get the glory. And you're going to have to be okay looking like a fool sometimes. So I'm asking you. Has there been a time when you've invited the Holy Spirit to fill you with the power of God? Because if you haven't paid attention, there's not like a whole lot of people that are effective in their witness these days out in public. Like people aren't like leading people to Christ at your lunch table. People on the school bus aren't just talking about the glory of God. They're not praying in native tongues about the goodness of God in all their native languages. There's just death everywhere and sickness and anger and bitterness and just evil. It's just everywhere. It's it's like it's so normal. We've just grown accustomed to it. And God's like, I kind of want to give you guys some power to put some good into the earth. So here's what the invitation time is tonight. We're going to pray. Nothing crazy. Maybe it's crazy. I don't know. I've seen some people receive the Holy Spirit and it get crazy. Maybe it'll get crazy for you. Maybe it'll be like it was for me. And I was in my truck. And... You know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I was in my truck one day. I had, I had been praying and asking God. I wanted to. I wanted to pray in tongues. God, I want to pray. If this, I've seen it in the Bible all over the place. I want to pray in tongues. And I'm asking God. I'm like, God, this is part of. I want to do this. And one day, you know, eight nine years ago, before my wife and I were married, I'm driving down the road one day to go pick her up on a date, and I was having a hard time quitting smoking cigarettes, and I was having a hard time being pure with my girlfriend. Okay, and and I feel and I get this, and I'm going, God, I want to you know I want to pray in tongues but I'm scared to tell my friends I want to pray in tongues but I just I know that I read my Bible but I'm missing in some sort of like life with God and I get a text from a friend of mine who was at a missionary school in Hawaii as I'm driving down the road and he sends me a text he says God told me you've been asking to pray in tongues so open your mouth and start praying and open my mouth and started praying I was praying in tongues and it scared me so bad I never told anybody because I was like, my friends are gonna think I'm crazy. How do I even explain this? Like nobody does this. I've, we literally like make fun of people that talk about this. Like I don't know what to do. So I didn't do anything with it. I just like let it go to the side. So a couple years ago, <clears throat> I'm riding around again, and I just feel I'm like, God, I'm I'm doing the right stuff, but I don't feel like I got any like I don't feel like I'm doing life with you. Like I'm I know what to say, I know how to preach, I know the right words, but like what do I do? Like there's gotta be, there's gotta be something else. Like I feel like I can't even look at you. And like, I feel like you're like a stranger, like you're like a, like church every week's like a museum where like I get to hear stories about the God who was one day. And God's like, all right, let's, let's talk about it. And I'm like, I'm talking about it. I'm in my head. I'm praying in my head. I'm talking about it. He's like, no, I want you to open your mouth and talk about it. So open my mouth and I just start praying. And this is strange language starts coming out. I'm like, what is this? And God said, just do it all the time. When you're by yourself, don't do it in front of people. It'll freak them out and you out, and you'll quit doing it. So just do it. And that was such a small thing. It may not happen for you or whatever. But it doesn't always have to be this big, dramatic thing where you come and get slain by the ghost, you know, or whatever. But, But what happened is I had this moment where God said, I will do more for you if you will let me. But you have to let me. So I'm asking you, will you let God? fill you with his spirit so that you can be effective in witnessing to the life death resurrection of Jesus Christ so I want to pray and you can stay seated I'm going to pray every campus I'm going to pray then we're going to take a couple minutes I just want you to sit there I want you to ask God. God is there something in my heart that's keeping me from receiving the fullness of the spirit of God inside of me is there sin in my life I need to repent from is there fear in my life I need to renounce is there something in my heart and in my life that is keeping me from the fullness of life with God so Holy Spirit, I just ask over these next few minutes, would you come to this room right now? On every campus, in every auditorium, in every space, would you, would you invade us with your presence, God? And whether it's, it's just this subtle thing we know in our heart that you're with us and that you're working in us, whether it's just a simple whisper in our soul to know that you're close. Father, would we learn to trust you and to walk with you and to do life with you and to stop thinking that the Holy Spirit did all the work to bring us to Jesus and then left us on our own. Holy Spirit, will you come and show us? And then will you fill us and empower us to be witnesses to the power of God? We bless you, God. Do whatever you want to in this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.